You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today we are going to do a speed round through the Dallas Cowboys. That is to say, we're going to look at the Green Bay Packers Week 5 road matchup Sunday, October 6th against the Dallas Cowboys. 3.25 p.m. on Fox. Be sure to check out the Packernet schedule. It's beautiful. Makes me feel beautiful when I look at it. Feel invigorated and alive. Rejuvenated. Like if I just ate tacos and cake all day, I'd probably lose weight. It's that powerful. I mean like a lot of them. It doesn't even matter. I'd you know, do whatever I want. I'd just go to the doctor right now. He would be blown away. Probably start crying. Never seen anything like this, he would say. I tell you what. But anyways, we're going to do, as I said, a bit of a speed round because I wanted to talk about other stuff and I was looking around at some other things and trying to form my opinions on those other things I wanted to talk about and I got lost in a couple articles and then somehow was on Facebook and then I was just literally sitting here in my chair contemplating life and I realized, you got to go to work, man. (laughs) So uh, it is 4 o'clock. That doesn't leave me a huge amount of time So again, speed round, which is good because it's the Cowboys and who cares? I'm kidding. I I care because we have to play them. I care, not because they're relevant in any way whatsoever. Anyways, please be sure to check the links in the description. Allow me to summarize it in case you can't. There is a link in this here description. I've had several people ask me or mention, hey, I'd like to get one of those shirts. How do I do it? Well, what I do, because I can never remember... I just go pull up the most recent episode and look in the description, and boom, right at the top is a link. Until I find a better system, that is the system. Survey's still open, if you wouldn't mind taking that. Three ways to help the channel. Uh, There's PayPal and Venmo. There's also Patreon, which comes with a couple perks. If you enter the $5 tier, you get access to all the stuff. And I I I figured out a project I want to work on. I'm not exactly sure how to take, where to take it, but it's going to be fun. And then, as I said, for $20, I'll uh, throw a shirt at you. I thought about doing less, but I know some people would be like, okay, here's 10 bucks, and then I give you a $20 shirt, and then you cancel it, and it's like, oh, man. <laughs> and uh, that, that spirals out of control. Be sure to check out the Facebook group, NFLBigBoard.com. The update should be coming today, pending any serious disasters. Lots and lots of people were added. It's not going to be that many more people, but there are a lot more people. And what I mean by that is I've added a massive amount of prospects, but I have a rule that you have to have at least three big boards, you know, that are grading you so that I can get a, a decent average. Well, before I was using two. So we have, I don't know, like 90 prospects with two or more grades on you. Now I think we've got over, or I've got over 100 prospects all with three or more total prospects. I've probably got 400 or so, but I can't use them quite yet. But uh, be on the lookout for that. If you're interested in pro football focus, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can go buy it, in which case I would prefer and appreciate if you could use my affiliate link. It doesn't cost you a single thing, just throws a little bit of money my way. Secondly, if you would leave me a five-star iTunes review, send me a picture, as was done yesterday, you'll be added, and when we get 23 more reviews, I'm going to be given, I'm I'm kind of 
it's not even excited at this point. It's almost like, can we just get there? Because I want to give this thing away. <laughs> but I'll be pretty excited about it. I'm looking forward to being able to pick a name out of that hat. I might even do that. No, I'm not going to make promises like that, because then I won't. It'd be kind of funny, though, if I actually wrote out a couple names and then, like, put them in my cheese head hat and, like, picked it out on the thing, like, on a live stream. That'd be pretty funny. Anyways, let's uh, take a little break, and we'll talk about the Packers versus the Cowboys. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, so we're going to start kind of the same way, look at what the Dallas Cowboys were, kind of look at a couple different changes, just to maybe get a broad idea of what the Dallas Cowboys are in 2019, and then we'll kind of look at uh, the Packers versus the Cowboys head on. So last year, and actually this kind of happened all throughout the division. We talked about the, um, the Philadelphia Eagles, which are the same division. They started off kind of slow when they were with Wentz, and then Foles came in, and they kind of hit the gas a little bit. I think the Giants actually followed a similar train because it was toward the end. It was like, oh, they're kind of going somewhere. The only team that would be different is the Washington Redskins who started hot until they lost their quarterback. But uh, the Dallas Cowboys similarly, and actually hilariously similarly, because it was win-loss, win-loss. They, it was a week one loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, by week loss. And then starting November 11th, which was week 10, it was win, 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 win loss, win, win. The only loss came against the Indianapolis Colts, and it was, well, 23 to nothing. But they beat the Eagles, which, you know, that was still in the Wednesday, so not super great. They beat the Falcons, which who cares. They beat the Redskins, which were not good because they lost their whatever. They did beat the Saints, which is incredibly impressive. However, the reason they won, and this is important to remember because Dallas has made some pretty big improvements along their defense, they beat the Saints 13 to 10. Now, it's, it's interesting because you go back a couple years and the strength of the team was clearly the offense, right? Best offensive line in football. Dak Prescott's looking impressive. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was thought of as like the best running back in the NFL, and that's kind of fallen off a little bit. Their, their offensive line isn't, isn't as good, so Ezekiel Elliott, still good, but not seen as as good. And Dak Prescott went from being the new hot young thing to like maybe they should just get rid of him because he's not very good. And that's kind of problematic when, you know, you're basically trashed throughout the first part of the year. You beat three teams very easily, and then you did beat a good team, but only because your defense was able to keep them to 10 points. Now, the flip side of that coin, super impressive by the defense. Another thing to note before we continue on, only one team, and granted it was the New York Giants, so super embarrassing, but only one team, and it was the last week of the regular season, scored 30 points or more against the Cowboys all season. Actually, hilariously, it's very similar to what happened with the Eagles, where the defense basically just had to keep, it wasn't as perfect as 20 points, but the defense had to keep the score low in order for the offense to, to actually be able to win. So they beat the Giants in week two when the Giants scored 13 points. They beat the Lions when they scored 24, which is kind of impressive because they were barely able to get to 26, so props to you. They beat the Jaguars when the Jaguars scored seven points. Now, granted, the offense scored 40, so you can't be too whatever. 
But they also lost to the Carolina Panthers, only scoring 8 points. They lost to the Seahawks, only scoring 13 points. They lost to the Texans, only scoring 16 points. They lost to the Redskins, only scoring 17 points. They lost to the Titans, only scoring 14. And then again, the Colts was 0. So the offense is a problem. But anyways, after that win against the uh, the Saints, they did go on to beat the Philadelphia Eagles again, but barely. And I believe this is the Foles Eagles, and they won that in overtime. They got annihilated by the Colts when their offense couldn't score a single point. Then they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are complete trash. They beat them by seven points. And then they beat the Giants, which is weird because their offense kind of stepped up and their defense kind of fell apart. And it actually almost reminds me of, like, the old-school Packers. And by old-school, I mean, you know, like back when it was just typical offense is great, defense is kind of trash, but just in reverse. This would be one of the rare games where Aaron Rodgers doesn't really pull it off, but the defense kind of has a really good game and we end up winning. But you know what happens in these situations? You get into the playoffs, the the offense just isn't what it was. The defense can't keep up because the defense is trash. Just flip that for the Dallas Cowboys, it was the exact same thing. They get into the playoffs, the offense is the same as it was. They scored 24 points against the Seattle Seahawks, which isn't very impressive, but it was good enough because the defense held them to 22. The very next week, they go up against the Rams. The Rams managed to get 30 points on their defense, and the offense can't keep up. Why? Because the offense was never able to keep up with 30 points, because they're trash. That's why you kind of need to have the two things going. you got to have the quarterback and the, the good enough offense, and you got to have the defense. And if you don't, one of these teams is going to expose you. So anyways, they're a 10-6 and team, kind of whatever. You could say they got hot at the end of the year if you wanted to, but I'm not going to say that. They were the same team all year long. Good defense, not a very good offense. They got into the playoffs at 10-6, and largely by default because their own division was garbage, and they played a bunch of other easy teams like the Giants or like the, uh, the Buccaneers, like the Falcons, like the Titans, like the Jaguar. I mean, they, they didn't really face any good teams last year. It seemed like when you looked at their schedule, a couple of these were going to be pretty good, but they were all the teams that fell off, right? Carolina Panthers are good, right? Nope, they were kind of trash. Seattle Seahawks are pretty good, right? No, not really. I mean, they kind of got hot a little bit toward the end of the year, but when you played them in week three, garbage. Texans are good, right? Nope, they were garbage. Lions, are they any good? No. Jaguars, no. Titans, no. (laughs) The only good teams they played all year, I think, were the Saints and the Colts. That's kind of crazy. That is until they went up against the Rams in the playoffs and lost. So this is a team that is definitely in decline. And I know, well, that once they got Amari Cooper, all of a sudden they started winning in that offense. Just bah, bah, bah. No, man. I mean, the offense did get better. I, I did the, you know, last year when I was going through all the playoffs, I looked at it, and they did score more points on average. But still, they went from averaging, you know, 18-ish to like 22-ish or something. I don't know. 27, 22, 31, 13, 29, 0, 27, 36. And then in the playoffs, 24-22. And the two thirties came against the Giants and the Redskins. Whoop-dee-doo. Non-divisional opponents, 14-22-13-0-27-24-22. That's what they did with Amari Cooper against non-divisional opponents. So I don't really want to undersell it. I just want to make sure that we're understanding what this team is. Their offense is not as good as it used to be. All the potential in the world, but so do the Giants. Well, now they got rid of Odell Beckham, whatever, but... You know, last year the Giants had Saquon, they had Odell, they had a lot of talent, they couldn't do anything with it. Anyways, a couple of um, changes with their team, obviously we're familiar with one of them, but let's look at some of the people that left. So we get an understanding of kind of what they are. Offense has a lot of potential, couldn't really put it together. Defense has the potential to be pretty scary because they got a couple pieces there, um, and they seem to just be a solid unit. 
I've been saying that for a while. They're not a team that has like overwhelming talent, but they put it together really well, and then they started adding some pretty good talent, and it's starting to get a little scary, but we'll see. So along the defensive side, who did they lose? Well, they lost Dayton Jones, so no real big loss there. Uh, David Irving, defensive tackle, retired at 26. Not a huge loss, probably some relatively decent depth. Actually, that, that might be, it's hard to say. I, I'm thinking he retired for injury reasons. I don't really know his story, but if you look at 2016 and 2017, he was pretty decent, especially as a pass rusher. He was actually pretty solid along the uh, along that defensive line. 2018, he only played in weeks 6 and 7, and then he retired. So I'm thinking there's some injury issues. So, you know, that's not a good situation, I guess. Uh, Karan Reed is not with the team anymore. He's not with any team, so he could technically be re-signed, but he's probably gone. Uh, Damian Wilson is now with the Chiefs because the Chiefs have an eye for, uh, you know, terrible football players. They they really need linebackers, so they went out and got one of the worst in Damian Wilson. Props to them. And then at safety, they lost Marqueston Huff, who contributes nothing. So basically, they haven't lost anything on defense. As far as additions, the big one is uh, Robert Quinn, who they traded a 2020 sixth-round pick for from the Miami Dolphins, gave him a one-year $8 million deal. Uh, Robert Quinn has never really lived up to his expectations as a 14th overall pick. He's had some really good years. Uh, 2013, 14, 15 were pretty solid. 2013, he had 91 total pressures, 19 sacks, according to PFF. Which I, by the way, let me take a little second here because I recently had it explained the reason the sack numbers are so different. And, and I was correct that they don't count half sacks. What they do is they give guys credits for sacks that they earn. That is to say, if you basically sack a quarterback and there's another guy that basically sacked a quarterback, we're not going to deduct a half of a sack from you. And that makes perfect sense, right? If you've got a free run on a quarterback and you smoke him right from behind and there's another guy that sandwiches him from the front a split second later, why do you lose a half of a sack for that? doesn't really make a lot of sense. There are different situations where you would not have gotten a sack if it wasn't for the other guy, and I believe PFF does not count that. In other words, they're actually looking at each individual situation and deciding, is this a sack that you generated or not? So anyways, 19 sacks in 2013, which is incredible. And that's, you know, it follows along with the theme of of making sure that you've always got enough pass rushers. He's at about a 10% pressure rate, which is not great, but it's probably better than what they had, at least as far as their depth. He's getting sacks at about 1.9%, which is fairly high. It's good enough. Khalil Mack is 2.5. Kenny, or uh, Mike Daniels was 0.8. Just different ways of looking at stuff. I generally just look at pressure generated. I think it's hard to sustain super high sack rates unless you can show that it's consistent over time, right? Like Kyler Fackrell, lots of sacks. If you look at his pressures, though, they're actually not that high because he had a ridiculously high sack conversion rate. But anyways, that's the big one. But I still think when we go up against the Dallas Cowboys, it's going to be very similar to when we go up against the Chicago Bears. It's going to be very similar to going up against the Minnesota Vikings. It's going to be relative. Well, I don't know about the the uh, don't know about the Detroit Lions yet. We'll we'll get there when we get there. But basically, it's Demarcus Lawrence and then everybody else, as far as pass rushers go. That is. Uh, other additions along the defensive side from the Detroit Lions, they got Kerry Hyder, another guy along the defensive line. Again, it, you know, just every team I'm looking at here, that's just what they're doing. Obviously, you want as much quality as you can get. Dallas Cowboys weren't able to scoop up super large quantities of of actual talent, but they did get Quinn. But still, they're adding more and more defensive tack uh, defensive tackles. Yeah, Kerry Hyder here. 
Also added uh, Christian Covington from the Houston Texans, who was a defensive tackle. And then finally from the Minnesota Vikings, who before that I believe was with the Bengals, uh, Iloka, George Iloka, who unlike on the Minnesota Vikings, I think actually has a, a potential to start. Vikings had good enough safeties. Iloka was just depth. I think uh, he could actually start on this team because their safeties aren't super great. Uh, looking at their offense, so basically to summarize the defense, they've got a good defense. And um, it's basically the same defense, but they did add Robert Quinn and uh, George Iloka, which is to say a mediocre pass rusher that is going to be depth and a mediocre safety that is maybe depth, maybe a starter, who knows. Not a whole lot changed, at least in so far as being able to say they're a lot worse or they're a lot better. It's still the same unit, and that same unit that's going to be kind of tough. They've got a lot of holes, but they've also have got some premium talent. The offense, that is the... Um, the concern, I would say, if I was a Cowboys fan anyways, I'm sure many of them would disagree. And I, again, on paper, I can see the talent. I'm just saying something ain't right. When you're struggling to beat teams that are putting up 20 points, that's not a good situation to be in. But they lost uh, Rod Smith at running back, kind of a mediocre fella. Cole Beasley is a relatively big loss. Terrence Williams, again, not the most elite player in the world, but a guy that's been there for a while and more lost depth. They also lost Jeff Swaim. Uh, at tight end, Parker Ehringer along the offensive line, and Marcus Martin. So nothing super big there either. As far as additions, they replaced Cole Beasley with Randall Cobb. Obviously, I'm biased, but I think Randall Cobb was a better football player. I just think health was probably a bigger issue. Also, we'll see what happens when he leaves. This is actually going to be interesting to watch. I mean, we saw Jordy Nelson leave in a situation where I think had he stayed, he would have done a great job with, with the Green Bay Packers. But I also think the mental connection between Jordy and um, and Aaron Rodgers really helped Jordy probably a lot more than, than Randall Cobb. In other words, I think Randall Cobb's talent kind of stands on its own a little bit more, even if the talent isn't quite as high as what Jordy was. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference between Cole Beasley and Randall Cobb, but I am interested to see what's going to happen as much as it's going to pain me to have to see that. Uh, Jason Witten came back at 37. If anybody happens to think that he is going to have an impact on this team, I think you are out of your mind. The guy hasn't been good for I don't know how many years. Then he went out of football for a year, and now he's back at 37. Why? Why did you bring him back? Tell him no. Just crazy to me. But uh, that's it. Randall Cobb and Jason Witten are the only additions to the offense. So now, looking at what they did in the draft, they gave away their first-round pick for their wide receiver, so they did not get a first-round pick. In the second round, they went, you guessed it, defensive tackle. Now, despite all the additions that they have, still not a huge amount of premium talent here. Along that entire defensive front, Demarcus Lawrence is a very, very good football player. Um, equally talented as a pass rusher is as he is as a run defender. Outside of that, Robert Quinn, I mentioned... Kind of okay, Taco Charlton, eh, not super great. Uh, Randy Gregory, not very good and probably won't be on the team for very long. And Durant Armstrong. There's a lot of investment as far as early round guys. Randy Gregory, Durant Armstrong, Taco Charlton, Robert. I think these these might all be first round picks. Oh no, Durant was fourth. I, he was. I remember he was hyped for a while, but I guess I guess overhyped. And Randy Gregory was a second round pick. But still, lots of high investment, but just guys that have not panned out. Along the interior, similar situation, Christian Covington, uh, who they added, probably the top guy that they have. He's okay. Tyrone Crawford is decent. Right? Just, just a lot of kind of mediocre guys everywhere. So Tristan Hill being their first pick in the draft is sort of indicative of not just what, what I've been saying about the value of that defensive front, 
but the fact that they just don't feel they have it yet, right? They brought in Dayton. That didn't do anything. They brought in Christian Covington. They brought in, uh, they drafted Tristan Hill. They're really trying to get that thing going. In the third round, they got Connor McGovern out of Penn State. Uh, no question. It, it's about time they're trying to fix this offensive line. And by fix, I just mean try to get it back to what it was. As much as I don't want to give the Cowboys any advice, they still, they, they had one of the best offensive lines and it was slowly starting to erode, but I think they might be back at it. Zach Martin's one of the best guards in the NFL. Tyron Smith is a very, very good tackle. Travis Frederick, one of the best centers in the NFL. They went out and got Lael Collins, who hasn't been very good, but he's, he's becoming a pretty serviceable right tackle. Um, but they have to do something about their left guard spots. Uh, Xavier Suofilo is complete trash. So obviously they're trying to do something about that. Uh, Tony Pollard at running back is a nothing pick in the fourth round. Michael Jackson at cornerback, a lot of people liked. I really don't think he's going to have too high of an impact. They got Byron Jones, who's a very good corner. They drafted Chidobia Wuzie. Hasn't panned out as much as they'd like, but there's, I mean, he's not going to take his spot, I wouldn't think. So then they go out and get a safety in the sixth round, a, a seventh round running back, and a seventh round uh, defensive back in Jalen Jelks. So outside of Tristan Hill along that defensive line and Connor McGovern, I don't expect a lot of contribution from this team, and I don't really see anybody that I'm super scared of. Right, Somebody that's going to help them stop us from running the ball, and another offensive lineman that you know upgrades them from trash to you know serviceable. Not the offensive line as a whole, I'm just talking about the left guard spot. And that's assuming their second or third round guard can be serviceable. So overall, the defense is definitely the strength, but they've got a decent amount of holes, as I said. Safeties are mediocre. Defensive line is solid enough, especially with a really solid uh, you know, defensive end. But I think the big thing that is a... It's funny because it's almost opposite of what a lot of other teams are doing. Like if it, what I mentioned with the Packers, the linebackers don't have to be great because the front is so good. Well, the Dallas Cowboys probably have the best linebackers in the NFL. Between Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, these guys are not only playing cleanup everywhere, but their coverage ability is, is pretty solid. I mean, both of them are fantastic in coverage. So that actually kind of compensates for everything else, right? You don't need to have a really good safety that's going to come in and, and help compensate because our guys can't cover. You know, any inadequacies with our defensive line, you got, again, two very good linebackers coming in, cleaning up your mess. Don't have the best corners in the world. Well, if you, you know, drop into a zone, the middle of the field is going to be pretty solid. Another team's got good tight ends. Van Der Esch and Smith are going to be able to match up. So it's kind of funny how everybody else seems to be compensating for a lack of linebackers and the Dallas Cowboys are going a different direction where their linebackers are compensating for their weaknesses everywhere else. But then on offense, we've got an offensive line that is not at its peak, but they still have got three incredible offensive linemen, a decent right tackle, and they're working on left guard. The biggest issue they have, though, is that they don't have any receivers. I know they have Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is a good wide receiver, but he is way overhyped. The, the, the narrative seems to be that he's good but was underutilized or incorrectly utilized with the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders gave him away. The Cowboys got him, and now he's being utilized and is a top-tier wide receiver again. I don't buy that. He's good. He's definitely good enough to be your ex-receiver, your number one wide receiver. But he is not a top-tier guy. He can't touch Devontae Adams. And I'm not even the guy saying Devontae's top five. I'm saying Devontae's top ten, and Amari Cooper is not. Outside of that, they've got Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup was in his rookie year last year. We'll see if he can take a step, but he was not great. And then Randall Cobb, who was also mediocre. Jason Witten, give me a break. And then Ezekiel Elliott, who, you know, again, I was never a huge Ezekiel Elliott fan, and I always said his offensive line did most of the work for him. 
And if you look at his PFF grades, you know, his rookie year was his best year. He was given a 77. That's a good grade. It's not elite. It's not even very good. It's just good. 2017, 69.5. It wasn't even good. 2018, 75.5. He was ranked 23rd at running back. Dak Prescott similarly had a very good rookie year, and then his last two years have just been kind of meh. So this incredible duo that's going to take over the NFL, you've now got, you know, a decent pairing between a, a mediocre quarterback and a... I mean, I, I'm not going to be super mad if you call Ezekiel Elliott top 10. I don't really care, especially if you pair him with his offensive line. I just don't want to overhype him, and I don't want to overhype Amari Cooper. And I'm not just, not just being a homer. I've come out and praised the Minnesota Vikings wide receivers and have said that they're underrated. I'm just telling you what I think, as unpopular as both of those opinions are. I think this is a bad offense. I think the offensive line is going to help a lot. I think Dak Prescott's ability to run the ball is going to help. I think Amari Cooper does help, but it's a bad situation. I mean, imagine the Green Bay Packers, who have a similar situation along the offensive line. Not quite as good as the Cowboys, I would say, overall as a whole but very similar. But imagine Aaron Rodgers being a lot worse, Devontae being worse, Aaron Jones, you know, I would argue worse, but we'll, we'll just leave that alone and say that they're about the same. The tight end situation arguably being worse. The, you know, depth at wide receiver is worse. I, I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't know why I'm supposed to give the Dallas Cowboys offense any respect. I just don't. So anyways, take a break. Then we got to power through offense versus defense. Take another mini, well, maybe we'll just do one break. We'll just do this one break. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, so let's start right where we left off here. I want to look at their offense versus the Green Bay Packers defense. As I'm looking at it, this team has two options. Number one, ram it down the other team's throat running the football, and they're usually very good at that. That's always been a thing that's been kind of problematic. All right, they run the ball with Elliott and their road grading offensive line. Occasionally, Dak Prescott takes off and runs, which is problematic when we all, you know, come crushing down along the offensive line to stop Elliott, and Prescott keeps it and runs to the outside and gains 10 yards. It's very frustrating in that way. The best thing that I can think that this team would be able to do, because you have to be able to throw the ball, is with um, is with play action. We're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to throw it over your head with Amari Cooper. Here's the thing, I don't know how well that's going to work. And to be honest, I don't know if I don't just put Kevin King on Amari Cooper. As much as I have some concerns with that, if I'm able to shut down Amari Cooper with Kevin King, because Cooper isn't an elite route runner in my opinion, Kevin King has a lot of length and a lot of speed. If he can do a decent enough job on that, and of course we have safeties deep that I trust implicitly, which feels amazing to say. So if, if their plan is to just throw it deep, I don't know how well that's going to work. The other real benefit of that being Jair, so in other words, I can have Kevin King with a little safety help on Amari Cooper, Jair Alexander on, on Michael Gallup, who is their second year guy but is nowhere near as good, and Jair Alexander will be able to shut down Gallup. And then they've, they they essentially are relying on Randall Cobb in the slot to be a possession guy to be able to make plays, and I just don't think that's going to happen, especially against his old team. Now granted, it's not like our defensive coordinator or, or even offensive personnel know very much about Randall Cobb because they weren't here. 
But still, the Green Bay Packers should have a pretty good idea of Randall Cobb's um, his abilities, what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and how to take that away. And and listen, the the bottom line is, if your best option at this point is to get Randall Cobb a ton of catches because Gallup's locked down and Cooper's being double teamed, so our plan is to run the ball and throw the ball five yards, three yards on slant passes to Randall Cobb. That's going to be a tough sell, man. I mean, it's it's just hard to win football games that way. You don't win football games running the football. I mean, it, it can help. But if that's like the one thing that works and we're just going to do that over and over again as our main strategy, ain't going to work. Not going to win the game unless your defense can just shut the Packers down. You're not going to win that way. And by shut down, I mean literally zero points because you're just, it's not going to work, man. And here's the other benefit. I like our defensive front. I'm always worried about being able to run the ball with Ezekiel and, and run the ball in general. The Packers weren't great at it. But assuming we're talking about a healthy Kenny Clark, we're talking about a healthy Mike Daniels, we're talking about a healthy Rashawn Gary, a healthy Zadarius Smith, a healthy Preston Smith, a healthy Blake Martinez, with Adrian Amos and, and Savage in there to be able to help in, in against the run. I like that a lot. Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage, I think, are very good tacklers. They're very sure tacklers, especially Amos, I know for sure. And then again, the, the closing speed of Savage, but also Amos, is going to limit any real big plays anyways. So it is going to be able to help against the run. I think this is a... a, a significantly better team against the run I I just if, I, if I'm the the uh, Cowboys offensive coordinator I'm looking at this and I'm not super excited I think based on the strategy I laid out I'm going to try to get Cooper to shake King and if he does all I'm going to do is I'm going to take Jair and I'm going to slide him over to Cooper I'm going to bring King over here to Gallup and I think we'll still be in a pretty good situation right that's only if Cooper starts getting carried away and starts getting a bunch of chunk plays and everything else all right fine Alexander's going over there and then your next best option is to try to get Michael Gallup to shake Kevin King. And I think that's going to be even more problematic unless Gallup takes a big leap. Bottom line, though, I just don't see enough here to work with to say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You pretty much just have one thing that you can do. You can run the ball. Then when you want to throw it, you can throw it to Cooper. Those are your options. Cobb and Gallup don't get you anything. Witten doesn't get you anything. You, you don't, I don't, I don't think... Mike Pettin has to be super creative. I think we just need guys to step up and do their job. And that's another thing I love about this defense in terms of getting just solid football players, as opposed to, again, those guys that are really good in one area and terrible in another. Just solid. Adrian Amos is solid in coverage, solid against the run. He's not elite. He's not Earl Thomas like I was chiming for. Everybody else was on the back end. But he's a guy that's going to be healthy. He's a guy that's going to be, you know, a good tackler, all, all those things. It's just, you're not going to see that that ridiculous play where there's seven missed tackles and then they go for a touchdown. That was one of the things I got so tired of seeing last year and I've gotten so tired of over the years, and I think the Packers are tired of it as well. I think Mike Pettin got a, his first glimpse of that last year and said, this team is ridiculously undisciplined. This team just is, is this is not a good enough defense. So they went out and got solid football players, guys that are going to tackle, that are going to play every snap, that can play the run and the pass and everything else that they're asked to do. And I'm excited to just be a stifling, frustrating defense. It's not going to be a sack every play, but there's going to be consistent waves of pressure coming from all sides. This isn't going to be the the top run defense unit in the NFL, but it's going to be very hard to run against them. Anyways, flipping it over to the other side as far as the Packers offense versus this Dallas Cowboys defense. Um, you know, running the ball is going to be difficult only because of these linebackers. I don't think they have anybody along the interior that's very good against the run. And as far as their their 
edge presence. Robert Quinn is decent, but not great. Demarcus Lawrence is the guy, though. So they've got one guy. They don't have anybody else. And with other teams, sometimes it's they don't have anybody else as far as pass rush, but they got some guys that can kind of hold up against the run. I don't think the Cowboys even have that. Again, mediocre type guys, mediocre against the run, might mediocre pass rushers, but nothing the Packers shouldn't be able to move against. The problem is going to be getting to that next level, which, by the way, is why it's so beneficial to have these athletic guys that we've added. If we can get an Elton Jenkins to come in here at, you know, at the guard spot who's able to pull and get up to the next level and wall off a guy like Jalen Smith, which is not an easy thing to do, but even even just get a hand on him to kind of get him off balance a little bit so that Jones can just kind of navigate through there. Uh, All we really need is for these linebackers to not be able to just crash down between the line and tackle us behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. Just be able to get those three, four, five yards. Get five yards on first down, that's good enough. As far as what else there is to do, I, I really think the Packers are going to win on the outside in this game, or at least that's where they need to. Again, on the inside, you know, asking the linebackers to go out and do a lot in the middle of the... The middle of the defense is just where they're really, really strong. I don't think having your slot guy come across the middle or your, your tight ends work in the middle, not that you're not going to do it because you want to keep them off balance, right? Keep them away. Go go chase my tight end. Get out of my face, please. But Devontae Adams against Byron Jones is a, is a matchup that Devontae Adams should be able to win. Marquez Valdez-Scantling against Chidobe Awuzie is a matchup that he should be able to win. Uh, you know, testing this defense deep, I think, is something that we can do. They got Jeff Heath at, at strong safety, who's terrible. They got Xavier Woods at free safety, who is not very good. And the reason this is so beneficial, and I and, and remember, this is a road game, so this is going to be a tough, you know, it's, it's in a dome, it's far away. The Packers struggled on the road last year. Dallas Cowboys are a formidable opponent. It's going to be pretty tough, but I like the way that this is laid out. Because, again, they've got a team that's looking to run the ball. We've got a team that's looking to throw and throw deep. Right? We're going to throw to the boundary away from your linebackers. We're going to throw deep down the field toward your safeties away from your linebackers. That, that's one of the negatives of having this kind of, not to say it's even a strategy, they just hit on two really good linebackers. It's not like their whole plan was, hey, let's just get good linebackers. But the problem is your linebackers can only cover so much area. Right? You, if they're helping your safeties deep, which they would never be, then they're not helping anybody close. If they're over on the boundary, they're not helping in the middle. If they're in the middle, they can't do anything on the on the boundaries. So if you get in their vicinity, they're going to be able to do some damage. But they can only do so much. So I, I think on paper, the, the Packers are definitely the better team here. And uh, the, the, the biggest thing that's really going to help is if we get some wide receivers to step up. Because, again, we're, we're basically looking at a really good wide receiver in Adams against a pretty good corner, which means, you know, advantage Adams. Otherwise, they've got barely average corners and we have barely average wide receivers they've got to step up they've got to be just better than you know hey look at that one really good catch i knew they were going to be awesome no i'm talking consistent you're you're you deliver when you're asked to deliver not just hey you had that really cool play that one time or oh man he really got behind him that one time i'm talking consistently on a play-to-play basis you're beating the guy in front of you every play you are asked to get open go get open I think as fans, we kind of overrated how good the wide receivers are because we saw those flashes in a moment. Hey, you know, there they are. But we don't see all the plays where nobody's getting open. Instead, we just saw a quarterback scrambling around going, come on, come on, come on, come on, and then getting sacked or throwing the ball away. Go get open. And if we can get that, if we we can have three solid wide receivers, that is to say an elite wide receiver in Adams and two good wide receivers, I mean, throughout the entire season, we're just going to dominate, which is part of the reason why I wanted us to draft a wide receiver as much as, you know, I'm fine that we didn't, but I 
I just know the the massive amount of benefit because of how complicated it is for a defense then to stop the Packers. All right, again, if, if all you have is Adams, fine, just double team him. You put two people on Adams, you force the Packers to go elsewhere. If we don't have an elsewhere, we're done, right? We're having a hard time running against this team, and the guys that we have can't get open. What 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 other options do I have? I don't have any. Devontae Adams is my option, and he's being double teamed and can't get open against a corner and a safety. But I, I guess I'll say, especially against this unit, I have enough faith in our guys that we'll be able to make it work. And again, this is a, a pretty big game because... We, we've had a lot of challenges, and hopefully we've won a lot of games, as I said on our, our, the last podcast. This is an opportunity to put a W in, 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 the, uh, in our, our road column because the road schedule is going to be tough, and we, you know, you, you got to win your road games too. You can't just win at home like we tried to do last year. That, obviously, that doesn't pan out. So get the team a little bit of confidence, and I, I think this is a good, good game here. Obviously, we've already had a road game against the Bears, but if, in fact, we did lose that game, this is going to be an important one not only for accumulating enough wins to get into the playoffs, but also the team needs to have some confidence on the road. And to be able to go to Dallas and play a team like the Cowboys, who are a formidable team, but also a beatable team, which is good because it's one of those teams where if you win, you feel good about it. You feel like you kind of took down a giant. Because in a sense you did, but at the same time it's kind of, I mean, you you should win this game. But you can brag about it because they're probably going to be number one in their division. They've obviously got some powerhouses. They've got a very good run game, very good offensive line. They got a Mari Cooper, right? There's a lot of hype around it. So you take down this team on the road, it's really going to help that locker room, I think. It's also going to be good because on the next two weeks, I think are very winnable games, and we got to see because, like I've said, don't I don't want to downplay. Yeah, I know I got to go to work. All right, we'll do a quick dance party, get up, and get back down. But we go back home to play the Detroit Lions, which is a game we should win. We'll talk about that either tomorrow or the next day, depending on what we talk about tomorrow. But then we're at home against the Oakland Raiders, which absolutely should be a win. After that is the Chiefs and then the Chargers on the road. That's tough. It would be nice to be able to accumulate some wins. And really, just going back quickly to review over the course of the schedule, it really depends what kind of a team we are. If we're the same team we were in 2018, we lose to the Bears, we lose to the Vikings, I'm not sure we beat the Broncos. I don't. I, I, there's no team here that we definitively beat. I would say at best we're two and three. If we're the team that we are kind of on paper, I think we're in more of the three or four range out of these five games. I think if the Packers can reach their full potential, and again, that means second-year guys or you know younger guys taking a step, the corners take a step, the wide receivers take a step, Aaron Rodgers is back to being Aaron Rodgers, Devontae continues to be Devontae, our front is, is as good as it should be. Rashawn Gary gives us everything. Preston and Zadarius and all those guys give us everything. If Darnell can be the guy that we hope he is, if Elton Jenkins can be the guy that we hope he is, if Amos can provide what he gave to the Bears, right? If we can meet that full potential, there's no reason we can't be 5-0, and right? The Bears are going to be tough. The Vikings are going to be tough. The Broncos should be beatable. The Eagles should be beatable. The Cowboys should be beatable. So even if we split, you know, win one, lose one against the Bears-Vikings, I think 4-1 and one going back home to the Lions, which should be, again, if we're talking optimal, as good as it gets, that should be a win, and the Raiders should be a win. We're talking 6-1 and one going on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs, which I'm excited to dig into that one because I think that's another one where at this point in the season everyone's looking at that, looking at that and putting, in a, you know, putting that in the loss column for the Packers. But again, I think that's looking too heavily at 2018 and not as much in 2019 as we should be. But we've got a couple days until we get to the Kansas City Chiefs. I got to go to work. You folks enjoy your Friday. 
Ha <laughs> ha. It just dawned on me that I'm going to be talking about some of these teams while I'm in Florida. Sorry, I smiled a little bit. Sorry about that. Enjoy your Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>